Houston. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Caleb, I don't give a rat you know what what Dusty did last year or what he's ever done this year up to this point. We only have one game lead. Not having your best nine out there every day for the rest of the year is inexcusable. And that could change. Like, your best night against a lefty and your best night against a righty are different. Like, it doesn't need to be the same every day. Like, the hand just matters. You, you got a loaded bench. You got a lo- you got options. Yeah. And if you're de- if you're just, you know, hell-bent on using Maldi, okay. All right. Maldi's going to catch for JV. Maldi's going to catch for Fromber. Maldi's going to catch with Javier. We don't like it, but we've accepted reality. That's right. But when they're out of the game and you're trailing late in the game, you use the better offensive player. Uh, 713-780-3776. HRP listener. Real quick, some uh, significant news in the American League West race. Uh, Rangers ace Max Scherzer. Ace is being used very liberally here. Rangers ace Max Scherzer is expected to miss the remainder of the regular season with a strained terrace major, a muscle that connects the scapula to the humerus. Doesn't seem that. Never mind. That's Scherzer is unlikely to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, the injury JV had yeah. at the start of the year. So uh, Chris Young says that Scherzer is unlikely to pitch in the playoffs. So from the back of the pitching shoulder to the – towards the – Do you know where the scapula is? Scapula is back here. It's back. It's in the, the, the wing in the back. I thought the humerus was right there on the elbow. I'm just so, kidding. Okay. <laughs> 713-780-ES. Significant news, though. I mean, the Rangers right now, game back, 16 to play. You're going to miss him for three starts. Now, playoffs, Still if without, you face him. Um, uh, Garcia? Garcia. I mean, oh, uh, Adolis Garcia? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, he, I he wouldn't have been able he was, to. I well, his time wouldn't be up. Yeah, he's basically done. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they try to get him back at some point. But, yeah, he's, he's still – I mean, he was put on the IL less than 10 days ago. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Zachary, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Zach? Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, man? Hey, so, not much. So, hey, so it seems like we've got all the uh, Dusty lovers out here today. But, you know, looking at the lineup today and seeing Singleton and Myers down at the bottom, you know, and, and you know, there's a uh, 7, 8, 9, uh, and that's our biggest issue. But getting a day off, you know, rest tomorrow, the only thing I can think of that makes somewhat sense to me is, you know, starting Friday, that's going to be pretty much their uh, – they're starting lineup for the playoffs, you know, you know, to at least try to make the playoffs or keep that lead into the playoffs. But uh, that's one thing that kind of makes sense to me is, you know, going into to Friday is that's going to be the set lineup, you know, for the remainder of the year and going into the postseason. Appreciate it, Zachary. Hey, Blankers and I think are a little bit di- – like, uh, Blankers would agree with you there, Zachary. I- I'm – not that I disagree. I'm a little bit more lenient with, like, do you want to go with a matchup that day? Do you want to go with a righty versus a lefty, a lefty versus a righty? Do you have a guy that can hit fastballs better than he can hit breaking stuff? Like, I'm okay playing the matchups. What I don't like are the the questionable decisions. Like, Singleton, like Dusty's going to tell you, well, we wanted to load the lineup with lefties against a pitcher who's better against righties. Although it's not very significant. I looked at the numbers. Um, but Singleton, who's very clearly, very clearly one of your last players on this team, and look, I know we've criticized Jose Abreu. You have a day off tomorrow. Jose Abreu has good batter versus pitcher numbers against Paul Blackburn. Like that, that's it's just curious. It's, and then the Myers over Chaz. 
that's very curious. Like, Myers in the lefty. Like, you're not loading the lineup with a lefty there. Like, Chaz has been one of your better offensive players all year. Jake Myers has been one of your lesser offensive players all year. The you, Myers better defender. Like, I'll give you that. Myers a little better defender than Chaz. But the delta between the defense and the offense is yeah. not equal. No, it's massive. And, and when you think about this, too, when you're talking about, you know, what these guys can do and the predicament they're in, I'm curious from your guys' perspective, too. If you were down a game in the division, would the Dusty supporters and the Dusty lovers change their opinion? Yeah. If yeah. you weren't sitting in first place, because we just heard it from a caller. Yeah. You know, but they're in first place. They're in first place. It doesn't matter. If you weren't, would it? I don't, I, honestly, I don't think so. I think they would just change the argument. I think the argument would be different. They wouldn't be able to use that as a case against you. They would be like, well, Dusty's won this many games. Dusty has you in the playoff race. Like, I don't think it would change their tone. Well, we're it would have to team. change their argument. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think it would, like, I can't remember the name of who, who it was. But he's going to defend Dusty. John? Like, it was very clear. Okay, John. I think it's right. It's very clear he's going to defend Dusty. Today, he can say that, well, they're in first place. He couldn't say that a month ago. Right. But do you think he wasn't defending Dusty a month ago? He, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he just, his argument yeah, had to be different. He took the job. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, there's Dusty defenders out there. There's a few on the text line here uh, that we'll get to. 713-780-ESPN. The HRMP listener line. Call text. 713-780-3776. Heather Hatfield, who is a friend of the show. Uh, Dusty's trolling us after the Chaz is fat article by putting in Mashinsky and Kunal last night in a three-run ball game. He just laid down like it was a seven-run game. He did. He treated that game like it was mop-up duty. He treated that game like it was curtains. He treated that game like it was – honestly, he treated that game like it was a, a getaway day. Like, you play again today, and then you have an off day tomorrow. Yeah. Like, you have an off day tomorrow. You can get the, the pitching staff back you know, in sync, fresh with that off day. Uh, 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Carl, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's going on, Carl? In the hive. All right, fellas. Hey, first, let me answer that question for you. Yes, you pinch hit Yair. I mean, that's simple. <laughs> I, I I don't know why he didn't do that. Also, you sit Singleton and Meyer. I mean, you got to go with the hot bats. Now, before I ask a question, we are in first. So <laughs> even with atrocious inconsistency from our our top guys, our top batters. But I'm wondering how much of, of uh, uh, Dusty's decisions go with what, uh, you know, are the veterans, you know, are they whispering in his ear, we want Maldi, you know, it, maybe it is more than just JV. Maybe they do want to break you instead of him sitting and, and uh, you know, playing first because trying to get those guys in there, somebody's going to have to sit. And I'm just wondering what you think, how much maybe the veterans are kind of going, look, you know, this is how we think we have the best opportunity to win. Uh, it's, it's a good point, Carl. And I think it does matter for the catcher. Like, it's very clear that Fromber wants to throw to Maldonado. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty clear that JV, JV wants to throw to Maldonado. Sure. Uh, Javier... I think I think Javier's been on record saying he likes pitching to Maldonado. Like I don't think it's an anti Yiner thing for the record. Like I don't think they dislike Yiner. It's just a comfortability factor with Martin Maldonado back there. But, it but don't does you think if Javier matter. was was dealing, it would be one thing. Yeah, it should be part of the equation. One hundred percent. But if he's not the same way that he was quick to say we're going to try Maldi this go around with Hunter Brown, mm -hmm. 
that I should say, you know what, we're going to try something different with Javier this time, and we're going to try Yiner. We get a better offensive lineup, and we get a chance for a different catcher with a different perspective to pitch with Hunter Brown. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. But I guess obviously that's if, not what Dusty's thinking. If Javi was pitching like he was last year, Javi's like weight Every right should matter more. Yep. Like, Fromber's been good this year. I know he's had some off starts. But, like, hey, Fromber, you, you get to decide. Like, okay, fine. Like, I don't love it. I'm not going to, like, support that decision, but okay, whatever. Fromber, you've earned that. Like, Justin Verlander has an almost 4 ERA since the trade deadline. Like, does he deserve to have a say? Like, eh, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Like, he probably does have a little bit of a say. That's why we've conceded that part of the conversation. But once they're out of the game and you trail late, that's whenever you have to get your better offensive player. It's common sense. Quite frankly, it's common sense. Now, if Dusty would have told you yesterday in the postgame, well, we thought the game was out of hand. We know Yiner's catching tomorrow. We didn't want to use him if we didn't have to. I disagree with you, Dusty, but I respect it you way more than, ca- than going at a journalist. Excuse yeah, at it's, that point. It's, it's, right. it's a reasonable it's excuse. It's not something anybody wants to hear, but at least you have some reasoning behind yeah. why you didn't do what you should have done. And his handling of the pitching staff would also support it, right? Because you use a Meshinsky, you use a Joel Kunell, whatever you say his name. Like His actions showed you that it was a blowout type of situation, and he was just seeing through the blowout. Now, we disagree, but his actions do show that. 713-780-3776. As far as the other players, like some people think that Verlander wants Dubon in center. I think you've said that you think that that might have been a conversation. I personally don't. But the pitcher shouldn't have any say. Like, the catcher, maybe. If you've earned the right, a Fromber or Justin Verlander, you can pick your catcher. Sure, whatever. Don't agree, but sure, whatever. You can't be picking other position players, though. But, I, but you know what? And we used to kid about it. And then I kidded one day with you going into a start going, <laughs> I mean, he's going to have his personal center fielder tonight, too. And then, lo and behold, from the minute he came back, his personal center fielder was back. And I think that JV carries a lot of clout, and he's got an ego, and, and I think they cater to him. And I, I think it's a possibility. I, I disagree with you on that front, but like, we're never going to know. Fine, yeah. We're never going to really know. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRP listener line. Troy, you're in the hive. What's up, Troy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Jeremy, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. When Fromber and JV are, when Fromber and JV are pitching seven innings of no-hit baseball, then they can pick who they're catcher is but right now they're not doing that dusty needs to put his best lineup in there to make up them runs that they're giving up and and maldi's not the answer to that i'll hang up and listen guys i'm tired of hearing this whole thing about he's got to catch him he's got to catch him no he doesn't have to catch him so yeah let yiner catch him it's bs i'm out I like it. That's hot. That's a Thanks, hot take Troy. there, Troy. Troy bringing the fire from Crosby. I like that. I love that. He said he was done and he just kept going. And, but, but then he also hung up the phone. Troy's in the lineup for the Friday fight. Never mind. I've, you know what? <laughs> this is a random take. Why, did, why does that sound happen when they hang up? <laughs> Great question. I used to think it was because you used to literally hang up the phone. No, but that sounds like the, a laser beam. You know how whenever you used to hang... I know that you know this. Yeah. But whenever you used to have to hang up like an actual phone, like I you would make that... It's not funny. <laughs> it was a little funny. But you used to have to hang up. I always you thought hear it was that, that sound. But it's just the drop... Like, that was a cell phone, obviously. He's and normally when rotary. it was a dial phone or something like that, you'd it's get weird. a dial tone. It's it, weird. You would admit... It, when it's, once the disconnect happens, it goes back to a dial tone. This is like a, a lightsaber going off or something like <laughs> But, I, I mean, look, I mean, Troy agree with me, so I obviously I agree with him, too. Like, whenever you're pitching seven shutout innings, I feel like your voice should have more weight. Verlander's done great things in his career. 
Should Verlander, when he has an ERA of nearly four since the trade deadline, be allowed to pick his personal catcher and some would think his personal center fielder? Uh, Fromber, should he be picking his personal catcher? I think Fromber should. Like, Fromber kind of needs that He's, therapist behind the plate. Well, that's, that's a big thing. Like, nobody else gets to Fromber as quickly and, and as effectively as Maldi. I get that one. But then you can't be a lazy ass behind the plate or on the bases either. If you're gonna, you got to do your part. It can't be just that you're Doctor Phil behind the dish. You got to do some other things to, to to maintain the spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Back out to the HRP listener line, Doctor Dre. You're in the hive, Dre. What's up? What's up? I'm in the hive. Yes. Hey, uh, hey, Troy. You never give Jeremy credit, man. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, hey, uh, John, John, my brother, I think you got a little too deep into the gentle bends, all right? You're defending Dusty way too hard. You know, uh, you know, Dusty does have a problem with, uh, let's, just, let's just be real, let's, he has a problem with white boys, uh, seemingly, uh, unless it's Kyle Tucker. But, you know, uh, you know, Myers has problems getting in. Who we don't want in the lineup, but you know, look at Chaz. He's, you know, he's playing what once, twice a week now with with Dusty's uh, little little uh, quirkiness. Dre, we'll just call it quirkiness. What I'm looking for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, I, I think I think uh, I think Dusty's got to change it up, you know, and he, he's got to he's got to put the best lineup out there, and you know, if, and I'm not going to repeat everybody else's saying. But just put the best lineup out there, and I'm out. It's funny that uh, like changing it up is go to your best lineup. Like, let's shake it up, Dusty. Let's yeah. play your best lineup. Like, that shouldn't be the shake-up move. That should be your default move. And if you're shaking it up because your default move is struggling, which should be your best nine, then it's like, let's throw in a singleton to see if he can run into one. But when the shake-up move... reeling by a listener. Listeners have called you racist, which we didn't understand. And now yeah. we've got listeners calling Dusty racist. Yeah, I mean, Dre, Dre treated that phone call like he was on the Jim Rome show in the mid-90s, quite frankly. Um, I'm not going to go with the does-not-like-white guys. I mean, Tucker's playing every day. Justin Verlander, obviously, somebody that he's curried favor with. It's it's an anti-young player. He has a veteran, and it's always been this way. You know one reason that he was chased out in Washington? Because he wouldn't play Trey Turner. Like, superstar player wouldn't play him. I forget the journeyman utility man that he was using just as much as Trey Turner. Dusty Baker has always had a veteran bias. Always. Well, and I've said this. He's not alone. Van Gundy did it in the NBA. Lots of coaches yeah. just do not believe in playing rookies and young players. They they want and they and they demand veteran laden teams because that's who they trust. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The HRP listener line. Uh, we'll get to some of your calls. Also, let's let's take a look a little bit at that uh, what we were talking about. What Troy was talking about too. Like Justin Verlander yesterday got lit up by the Oakland A's, and Justin Verlander led a team meeting after the game. Is that appropriate? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five. Guys, another big weekend coming up of football, baseball tonight. We've been talking about it. Everything that you can possibly love about sports is right there for you right now. And the fact is, you can make no matter what game you're watching, or two games, or three games, or four games you're watching, more entertaining and possibly profitable. If you put some cash down on it, and the only place I tell you to do that is mybookie.ag, and I do that because they deliver. Been been in business for over a decade, so you can trust them. They're not going anywhere. 
And they're always constantly trying to do things to take care of their customers. You know, they're doing things with the bonuses that we always talk about. They do things with prop bets and contests where you can possibly get a better chance and better odds to win on a certain game. It's absolutely fantastic. And we know with all the sports going on, you need to make sure that you can go to a, a, someplace where they give you all those things. But the main thing is they're going to pay you when you win. And that's what they do too. This season, my bookie has no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quickly. Use the promo code BET975 whenever you get a chance. You can deposit as little as 50 bucks or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash in your account ready to be used in games and plays. It's instant, and it's mybookie.ag. That promo code 975, it comes in your in handy right away. And when you bet that deposit amount that they give you once, you're ready to withdraw it at any time. Again, use that promo code BET975 whenever you see an opportunity, but especially when you're putting money into your account, and you can get a cash deposit bonus instantly it's fantastic and it's because they take care of you. they got live dealers standing by with casino games where there's no games going on if you want to play into the wee hours of the morning it's absolutely fantastic that's the only reason why i tell you to go to mybookie.ag and there's plenty but the only reason more than anything else is because they take care of their customers all the time you can bet anything anytime anywhere and it's the only place they tell you to do it it's mybookie.ag and use that promo code bet975 Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Say it with me. 3%. 713-780-3776. Go out to the HRP listener line. Roll it. You're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Roland? Hey, gentlemen. So great. I love that you're talking about this because it's like I try to talk to everybody about this, but they talk about how much they love Dusty. And I'm not saying we don't love Dusty. I'm just saying he's not above reproach. It's what he's doing now. And I think the one thing we're all forgetting right now is it was inappropriate of Verlander to do that. I mean, what's going to happen? Say we're in the playoffs against Seattle, and we've been losing games. Say we're behind. We're, we've been losing games 3-1, to 4-2. to two. And it's Verlander or Framber's turn. Are they going to say, no, coach, I'm not going to play in that game because I want Maldonado behind the plate. So I refuse to pitch that game. How selfish is this? It is very selfish of these guys to want this guy. Can't Maldonado, can't Maldonado grab Yanir and say, Yanir, I know a bunch of tips. Let's go out to dinner. Let me teach you what's going on. I'm tired of holding this close to my chest. I'm going to teach you what these guys want. Shouldn't that be what it's about? Shouldn't the veteran catcher be with the rookie pitchers, not the rookie catcher with the rookie pitchers? It doesn't make sense. And also, I don't like Pena hitting second. The whole lineup got screwed up when he started hitting second. Bregman is an on-base machine. So that's what I got to say about that, and I appreciate you guys talking about this. It's awesome. Roland, thanks for listening. You probably got to get better friends that are willing to have these conversations with you. That's what I wrote down. What circles is Roland running with? Yeah. Where all of his friends love Dusty Baker because that's not really the and he vibe. Said they don't want to have the conversation. Most well, this of the, is the conversation city. you have to have, Roland. Yeah, where's is Dusty sitting with the family section at Minute Maid Park? Where, where, what circles is Roland running with if uh, all the people around him don't want to have this conversation? Because I think everybody wants to have the conversation. I think. To Roland's point, though, look, there's a reason why you put Yiner with the younger pitchers because he had more experience catching them. He's ca- caught them in Sugarland. He's caught them, 
you know, in, in his career, and, and they've worked together before, whereas Verlander hasn't, Fromber really hasn't, if at all, unless he did a rehab start. So it's just that's that's to that point of the equation. But I mean, I mean, it works both ways, though, right? Like, I mean, because his point's a sound point. Like, I can understand both sides of it. Like, who needs the guiding of if, sure. if, if Martin Maldonado's hidden intangibles are real and he's really great at guiding pitchers through games, who needs the biggest help? being guided through a game. It, it shouldn't be the Hall of Fame pitcher. It should be the rookies. So, like, I understand where Roland's coming from. I understand where you're coming from. But they've also – and then to the point of uh, – Maldi has tried to help. They've they've documented it, and they've talked – they're starting to talk about it and give the story out a little bit. But Maldi does try and help Yiner and get him to learn some of the things he does and understand the way he catches and some of the veteran things. So I think uh, Maldi's been a great big brother to Yiner. It, it's just – from a situational standpoint, this is really a lot about the two starters at the top of your rotation and Dusty Baker. Yeah, and then what he said about Pena, like, I, I, I get it. Like, you look at Jeremy Pena's on-base percentage for the year, it's at 322, and it's like, you, you shouldn't have a 322 on-base percentage guy uh, hitting in front of Jordan Bregman Tucker. Again, I'm not a huge, like, I think batting orders are, quite frankly, a little bit overrated. I care about who's in them, not the order of them. And Pena's been really good since being moved up into the two spot. He's hitting over 300. The Astros have been productive whenever he's been hitting second. If you look at uh, some of the numbers he's had when he's bat when he's been hitting second, they scored 13 runs against Texas, 14 runs against Texas, 12 runs against Texas, 7 against San Diego, 12 against San Diego. So it's not like the offense has been slowed down by Jeremy Pena hitting second. The offense has been slowed down by the bat batter's eye in center field and if you want to go even further with with Jeremy Pena and what he's done let's call it since August 1st since August 1st Jeremy Pena has been knocking the cover off the baseball he's been he's hit 327 with a 393 on base percentage so like I can't be too mad with Jeremy Pena batting second when he's getting on base nearly 40 percent of the time in almost his last 40 games well the other thing too is is we've talked about this with intangibles with Maldi and with defensive things but intangibles mean something with Hitting too, and Pena is a different hitter in the two hole. I I just think that you know there he he mentally something clicks with him. He feels like that's his comfort zone. That's where he should be. And when he's performing to that level, he's putting up the numbers you're talking about. And you know that last year he did all the damage in the playoffs in the two hole. And when he has been successful in his career with the Astros, a lot of it's been when he's been in the two hole. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And when they're putting up numbers like that, and you also know on top of it, he feels a lot better about himself and what he can do when he's in the tool. Put him in the tool. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't be too critical of him in the tool. I'm critical of Dusty. I'm not going to be critical of that one. Uh, Flimsy brings up a good point. Verlander just pitched just fine in New York with the rookie catcher. I think it's Francisco Alvarez. I don't know how many games Alvarez caught of Verlander, but Verlander in New York. Most of his starts with Francisco Alvarez, I imagine. You, you, you can stat check me, fact check me on that. 16 starts, he had a 315 ERA with the Astros. Eight starts, 386 ERA with Martin Maldonado catching every single one of them. Now, to the point about Verlander, Verlander got, uh, got touched yesterday. Gave up some bombs. He gave up a bomb to Tony Kemp, which is something that does not happen very often. Hugs for home runs against Justin Verlander. Uh, but Verlander gave up five runs in that game, eight hits. Uh, Tip my cap to you, Verlander, that you got through seven innings, I guess, but didn't pitch well. And then after the game, Chandler Rome tweeted, Verlander addressed the team after the game. Chaz McCormick said, funny, uh, the message was not to take anything for granted and come out ready to play. Uh, Kawahara, the, the new Chronicle guy that took Rome's spot. Uh, Chaz McCormick said, Verlander talked to us after the game, and we have to come out and show up. We can't just come out uh, to these games and think it's going to be a cakewalk because it's not. We're getting our butts whooped. you got to give credit to them. They're playing really well. 
Verlander got hit hard. Should he have been conducting the player meeting after the game? Well, I mean, my initial reaction is if Verlander is a leader in the clubhouse, if Verlander is a veteran that everybody respects, then Verlander is a guy that can deliver that message. But it is a tough pill to swallow when the guy that just kind of got lit up a little bit and didn't do what he's asking the whole team to do it's kind of a tough look, but you also had Maldi, who probably is the last guy that you thought should have been leading the last team meeting, be the guy leading the last team meeting. So, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that he should be the guy based on performance, but if he suddenly, since his time, and again, he hasn't been here all year, so it's a tougher call, too, in the fact that leadership means you're Altuve. You're guys that have been there, done that, and have been through all the wars. But I think that if he's a respected leader of the clubhouse, if he's the guy that's leading the meeting this time, then so be it. I think it's fine. I do think it's fine. Would I have preferred it to be the day before he pitched or the day after he gave up five runs to the single A's? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think that it does. The message that he's sending across, I don't think it's completely diminished, but I don't think you get like the most out of it. Hey, guys, we got to be better. I just got lit up by the Oakland single A's. Like the message doesn't hit as hard last night as it would even like, quite frankly, tonight, like a day after the game. Now, I understand you're trying to get them going before you lose another game, uh, but it's it's, it's kind of weird to me. It's kind of weird to me whenever you give up five runs, you get lit up by a bad offensive team, and you're like, we got to be better. Like, it's just kind of, I don't know how I feel about that. No, it's just weird. Like, they, they have a proven track record of having a team meeting led by Michael Brantley leading to great success. Mm-hmm. They did in the World Series. Where's Brantley at? Come on, guys. He's too busy playing. Well, you well, yesterday. Like, oh, he was he didn't play yesterday. He didn't play yesterday. Yeah, he's too busy not playing. He could give. He could get. He didn't play last year when he gave the when he yeah, gave. He the had that big locker room speech last year. Yeah, he's he getting ready hurt. for today's start. He's, he's watching film on. Uh, he's watching film on former All Star. Well, did it Paul last Blackburn. time. He couldn't do it again. Blackburn was the uh, the A that they gave the, yes. the ride to the All Star game, right? Yeah, because the A's are so cheap. Maybe Blackburn will give one back. You're not going to like this quote. Uh, Dusty meeting with the media before the game, as he always does. A Dusty Baker quote, in this race, you have to make a pit stop sometimes. It may not be when you want it to be, but I got to do what I think is necessary. It's a pit stop for the other guys, a way to stay sharp for others oh. because they haven't started in a while. Everybody plays here. Here's the thing. Like, Participation everybody, trophy, Everybody Dusty. plays here is fine in June and July. Yeah. What if they're not playing in the postseason because everybody plays that's, here? That's and, what... like, and look, I get the pit stop thing if you're playing 25 games in 25 days. You literally have every Thursday off for the entire last month of the year. That's the pit stop day, man. Or if a guy's just come off an injury or, you know, like a Brantley where you're giving him a day because of the fact that you don't want to play him two games in a row or tinker with the shoulder or the fact that, you know, you've got guys that you're saving for the end of the season. This is the, what you're saving him for. This is the end of the season and the playoffs. This is when you're supposed to be gearing up and primetime ready by putting your best lineup out there every single day. And, oh, by the way, this is why I said – there. It's all fine and dandy if everybody's talking about the fact that we all believe they're going to make the playoffs and then they're going to have a great you know playoff run because they're going to be ready to go. But if they don't, this is the reason why. These pit stops, as you call them, might blow a tire and, and, and screw up the gas line enough that you don't finish the finish line where you need to be. And that's why that's a BS response, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought you might like that one. Uh, why the face Wednesday? Why is Joe making faces today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. 
Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. It's the first time I've listened to Spencer in a while. Blanker's living his dream, working with me every day. False. What we got? Why are you making faces today, Joe George? Uh, we'll start. We'll, we'll, let's go to Mexico first. Okay. Uh, apparently, <laughs> today at the uh, at Congress in Mexico, they displayed it's two Congress in Mexico. Two. <laughs> what? Call it, Joe. Are you sure? <laughs> the Mexican government is displaying what they claim to be real alien bodies over a thousand years a thousand year old found in Peru. They're Three-fingered species with strong but light bone structures. Okay, so those aliens. like a bird. So they're showing real aliens. So they showed pictures of this? No, they showed the bodies. Like the bodies they are. Li- they had the literal body. They have the literal bodies. And how but, old are does they? The body uh, look oh, like a the thing person. Is, they look like ET. Can you see this on Twitter? Yeah. What no. do I just Mexican Congress <laughs> or Mexican aliens? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, this government wormhole. I don't want to really fall into. Yeah. So but like it looks like ET. That's the problem. Like, and it's so funny looking at who's in X. there talking to you. I heard somebody in the in the back. I clicked the barstool video. I started talking to me. <laughs> that's nice. And okay. uh, so this is the actual. This is the real government, which the Mexican government can be corrupt. But like, are they all Congress? No. All no. over Twitter, <laughs> they have them like in. I'm, I just pulled up the video they're of like them boxes. announcing. They're like in voting boxes. <laughs> yeah, I know. What in the world? <laughs> but all over Twitter, it says that these these little these supposed aliens are. From a journalist, and it's proven they're a hoax. So, but they're still being shown to the they Mexican got government. Got the Mexican government got got by journalists as a hoax. Apparently, but they're showing these to their government. But they look like they literally look like ET. Okay, see, I actually saw this on Twitter earlier. I thought it was just like somebody putting like a gift, thinking that there was you know funny or whatever. So, is it, this isn't real? It's real that it happened, but the Twitter like this isn't a true story is saying that they're it's a hoax. They're not real aliens. So they're calling the Mexican government a hoax. Basically. What do you think that they are? Their heads are very rectangular. I'm telling you, they look—they literally they just look like they're E.T. E. E. Like, it looks like it's from the move. Like I mean, it looks more like E.T. than it does a human being. Yeah. So are we buying this? They uh, had three fingers? I mean, if Joe's saying that Twitter's already saying that some guy was up to... To try to get somebody got no 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 that's not that's not it like this is legitimate but Twitter is calling it a hoax yeah like, sometimes so you're saying what is it or is it real you think it's real I mean I think that I think aliens are real I mean these are very clearly real things now are they like did somebody put it there as a prank I, like, that's what, it, I think that's why it looks like ET because it, it literally looks like the character from the movie it does like it, it looks like they just. How old did they say it was? was Over a thousand years old. A thousand year old. Do you think Mexican Congress went to some kind of medical people that they know to try and see legitimately how old these things may be? These don't look that different than humans, though. Like, yes, it looks like ET, but they have like a skeletal, whatever you say, that like looks kind of humany. And they're so small; they look like they go up to like your knees. If you're me and you're five foot six, I mean, I'm Mexican. I'm not that tall. Well, these look like they're literally like two feet tall. Oh, is it that? That's how tall. That's they are? how small they look. What was the? Um, what was the, like the old Mexican like myth 
that they used to scare children was the chupacabra. Chupacabra. Yeah. Chupacabra. Right? Yeah. Like, is this related to the chupacabra? No, they said these were found in Peru originally. Oh, they weren't even in Mexico. Yeah. So why is the Mexican Congress, Joe, bringing this up? It's like I'm never going to live that down. No, I'm just asking a question. I, I don't know. It's just, they're showing it to the government. All these aliens, these two little aliens in boxes. Yeah, this is a this is a Twitter search that I'm not going to get back. Yeah, <laughs> there's I, so many I, political I, things. I here. go to like I hit my search button that pops up, and the first thing you see is Mexico aliens. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I think I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to buy this. I, I think that this is real. Like I think that these creatures were here a thousand years ago. I'm, I'm cashing this. No, it's a different bit, but I'm cashing this. Well, I mean, but why is it they were found in Peru? Why is it coming up in Mexico? Well, someone must have found them and brought probably them to Trey. They traded for some good tequila. Oh, God. Hey, you want to trade some aliens uh, that's, how, some that's, that's how stuff used to work back in the day. Good trade. Oh, we got good coffee? Okay, well, give me some of your rum. Like, that's how that's how it worked back in the early colonial days. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, they here Here you go, Peru. I'll we want you, your alien bodies. I'll give you an alien and an alien to be named later for your finest tequila. And then the Mexican Congress was like, yeah, that's a done deal. Let's sign up for that. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I believe that aliens absolutely exist. I think so, too. Absolutely. The universe is too big. Yeah, way too big. Absolutely, they exist. Yeah. All right. All right. Other thing, I was listening to Arian Foster's podcast. He does the one with Barstool and PFD commentator. He used to work here. Arian? Oh, he did a show? He did. Arian Foster did a show here, yeah. So, PFT started telling the story about this fantasy football league he's in at work. Okay. And... It, it it just made me make a face. the The entry fee to the league is a surprise. It is a choose your own adventure. Whatever you think the entry league, entry fee to the league should be, you decide. Nobody in the league knows how much everyone contributed until the end of the season. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't like that at this all. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be on why the face. This should be on Bad Take Boulevard. Yeah. Why? You're going to have somebody that puts in five bucks. But here's the There's going to be a prize pool of but that's, $1,000. But that's the thing. You have to do it before the you had to do it before the draft. So before, like before you even like the the order was selected? Yes. So like you you don't know what your order is. You don't, you don't know what your team is. You have to submit your entry fee. So if you only put $5 and you draft draft the best team, if everyone puts in $5, you win a league and you get nothing. So like if we had a surprise entry fee league here at the station what are you putting in i'm not playing in this stupid league <laughs> i'm not I, I, I don't think yeah i don't think it's right and fair the way you would run any league professional or not but you can't run a league where you know the big boys are putting in hundreds if not a thousand dollars and then others can put in like pennies and come out if they win it yes. with with riches that's the problem like, I feel like you have to, your winnings would have to be proportional to what you put in. I agree with that. Why would I don't you play agree with in this, this at all? Why, why, what's the, what's the end game here? What's the motive? What's the desire to enter these things? To find out which of your coworkers are cheap? I guess. Do you, I, well, I, at I the end, know. do you get to find out who put in what? That, or, or is it just the total? I think. Somebody has to know. I, the commissioner knows. Somebody would have to know. Yeah. Like, the commissioner would know how much everyone You get a in. little. Red Weasel Commissioner that all of a sudden says, eh, we only had $12 in the pot, and they pocket $500. This is a stupid leak. That, that, that so would only that's happen. A good, that's a good point. Yeah, this is dumb. This is dumb on all fronts. Yes. Yeah. I was just like, I watched the video as he explained. I was like, what? Like, how could you? I would put in a dollar. I think I'd put in like 25 If I had to play, I wouldn't play. If I had to play, somebody said, if you don't play, I'm going to shoot you. I would put in $1. 
Yeah, but if I win, I want to win some money, and if everyone puts in a dollar, but, it, but just, you're the amount of money that you're putting in is not going to determine how much money's in the pool. Like yeah. obviously it does, it, but you're only winning back your money. It also sounds like it's more about just you know bragging rights with your buddies than it is about actually cashing in and being an intelligent fantasy football player. Yeah, you also have to like know who you're in the league with. I guess that That's what I'm that saying. matters. Like like PFT is you know he's a millionaire by now. Will Compton's in the league. The if former you're a millionaire. Why are you paying in a one dollar stake fantasy football? Well, that's league? what I'm saying. Like if I like if I'm a million, I'm in a league with like former NFL players. Like you got to think that someone's gonna pony up. So like I kind of want to pony up too a little bit. Is this year one of that league? Yeah, they said it's year one. <laughs> I, will there be a year two? Not, not the way they did this that's, one. Yeah, that's, There's no way. It's like it's the, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. The only way that it survives is like they're all honest. Yeah, like the, if they all give like at least a hundred bucks. See, I think you could if you set like a minimum. Like okay, the minimum entry is, but then everyone would just do the minimum. My chief friends would all do the minimum. And but, yeah. and, and again, why do you even if you're you think you're the best fantasy football general manager, why do you pump up and put all your own money in just to win it back? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying with the whole $1 thing. Like Joe's like, I'm going to put $25 so there's more in the pot. What is left in the pot that's not your money is not going to change if it's $1 or $25. That's true. <laughs> like, that's true. Like you're not, you're sweetening the pot Something with the your own money. Do. Yeah, this is, I, I'm a little disturbed. The All per- the things we've talked about today, Dusty's mismanaging of Yiner oh, and Chaz works. and veteran bias, these little aliens in this Mexican Congress that does not exist. <laughs> I am I the mean, most bothered like this, by this stupid fantasy of, league. There was a bunch of officials there from the government. You could call it Congress. the trade that was made with yeah. Tequila to get the aliens from Peru yeah. to Mexico. Sorry, I'm in a fantasy football league where apparently our commissioner doesn't believe in the waiver system. What's that? Literally, we woke up on Tuesday morning and people were just adding players left and right, and we didn't. There was have, no waiver. There was no waivers. <laughs> I'm just like... If you're not doing fab, you're doing it wrong, quite frankly. Fab is cool. Fab's like, the best way to go. It, I, I We woke up on Tuesday, and me and BMAC were just like, well, what, 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 what's going on? Oh, oh wait, so party. this was your producer league again, shockingly, that wanted to have a lap Olympics to get the draft order? They did it, too. I just didn't participate. It was that league, though? Yeah. Well, that league was doomed for the start. Yeah, this you, league you guys like, and the Barstool League are both... This yeah, league is a done. disaster. Oof. All right. Last time I talked about it, word got back to the commissioner. So, sorry, Charles. Your league is a disaster. Don't don't apologize for facts. Yeah, don't apologize for that. All right. I'm annoyed by Nick Casario. Uh, I woke up, spent a couple of hours doing some prep, and the way that I felt after doing it, I'm annoyed with Nick Casario today. I'll tell you why. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You got to get out to TDCU Stadium on Saturday. It's the U of H Big 12 home opener as they take on last year's national championship runner-up, the TCU Horned Frogs. The atmosphere in the first game this year, TDCU against UTSA, was fantastic. Let's do it again Saturday at 7 p.m., Big 12 home opener. Buy a Cougar Paw package. Includes three games. You can select TCU as one of those three games. Package is only 66 bucks. Does not include the Texas game. Get your tickets today. 713-GO-COUGS. UHCougars.com slash tickets. Come early. Enjoy all the activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, the Coke Fan Zone, food trucks and more, and DJ James Kennedy. 
on Saturday before kickoff. Spirit of Houston performing at halftime entertainment by cheerleaders Cougar Dawes, Shasta, and Sasha, and DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section. Get your hands on the Cougar Paul package. Three games, just 66 bucks. Do the math. It's less than $25 a game. 713-GO-COUGS-UHCougars.com slash tickets. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Uh, doing a little uh, prep today on the, the Houston football team, the Houston Texans. I um, started getting a little annoyed by Nick Casario. And I, I don't want to do this all year. I really don't want to do the whole black cloud, draft day trade, Will Anderson. See, like We're going to talk about Anderson. We're going to talk about Stroud, obviously. We know that that black cloud looms over the Houston Texans. I don't know what more we can say about it. Like It's going to change a little bit each and every week depending on their record. Like Let's let it play out. Let's let it bake. Let's see what it, we decide to talk about on draft day 2024. Like, we know it's looming large. Nothing that we say, do, is really going to change a whole lot. But the reason that I was annoyed with Casario today, a lot of it's not necessarily his fault. Like, the injuries are starting to mount up. Um, it doesn't look, like maybe it's too early in the week to call this, but it does not look like Jalen Petrie is going to play after bruising his lung. Jimmy Ward did not practice. Larry Tunsil didn't practice with a knee. Shocker there. Uh, the injured reserve currently has Titus Howard on it. It's had Kenyon Green on it. It's got Scott Quesenberry on it. it has Juice Scruggs on it. And then the latest additions today, Hassan Ridgeway and Noah Brown, which the Noah Brown thing like kind of opens up some doors from Tank Dell, so I'm excited for that. Like, there's a lot of injuries. Let's be very clear, though, that that's not unlucky. Like, you have injuries in football. Spoiler alert. Like, you have injuries in football. This is not an unlucky thing. Now, it might be unlucky that you have all of them in, like, one specific position. Like, four guys on the offensive line. That That's unlucky. But guys are going to get hurt playing football. It's a violent game. It's a contact game, et cetera, et cetera. So the injuries there you know, fill in some kind of way about Casario. Also, I'm not a huge PFF guy. Like, the PFF grades, like, cool. Like, it gives you a nice little barometer, nice little grade. I don't put a lot of stock into it. But Henry To'o To'o, limited action, had the highest PFF grade on the Houston Texans this week. Higher than Will Anderson. Now, it's an average, not like an accumulation thing. But Henry To'o To'o had the highest PFF grade for the Houston Texans. High bar. Better than Anderson. You know, Tavier Thomas played great. Better than anybody on the defensive side. He had the second best defensive. He had the best defensive grade for the Houston Texans. He was a fifth-round draft pick. So it's like, cool, Nick Casario found a guy in the fifth round. We know that he found Damian Pearson the fourth round. We know that he's actually had some players that have played that were late-round draft picks, like Roy Lopez, a sixth-rounder. So I see this, and Henry Toa Toa is playing good. He got promoted to starter yesterday, at least according to the Texans' depth chart that they released. This is all great. But because you have injuries, I'm worried about this team overall this year with the wins and the losses because you don't have the depth that is necessary to sustain all of these injuries. You get like if if the Texans are without Jalen Ward, Jimmy uh, or Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie on Sunday against the Colts, that's not great. You're without Ridgeway now, who's on the IL. Like I like Collins, I like Sheldon Rankins. Those guys need to be taken out of the game every now and then. They need reserves. Now you're looking at like a Kurt Heinish. This team lacks depth. That was one of the biggest weaknesses about this team at the start of the year. They lag depth. And why I'm annoyed with Casario, how do you build depth? You build depth through the draft. Mm-hmm. 
So you build depth through the draft. Casario's been pretty successful with late-round draft picks. We're talking about Toa Toa. Damian Pierce was a fourth, not necessarily late. Uh, he Roy Lopez no longer with the team, but gave you some quality snaps as a six-round draft pick. You're getting a starting center in Jarrett Patterson, who you use as a six-rounder, out of necessity, but held himself pretty nicely, held himself pretty good. So why I'm annoyed with Casario is because he's so reckless with all these late-round draft picks. The ones that he keeps, pretty good. But he's so reckless trading up. He's reckless trading them for guys that he cuts. He's reckless for trading them for a quarterback that never makes it to camp. He's good with these draft picks. This team's in desperate need of depth. You build depth through the draft. So I'm annoyed with Nick Casario today. Can I, I, I'm annoyed with him for a different reason. But it's, it's part of the reason that you're annoyed with him. And the fact that when you're talking about everything that you just said, you talked about specific position groups. And we know the offensive line more than anything else is the specific position group where you are depleted. And it gets worse. But you go back to what he said a week and a half ago or a week ago, a little over a week ago, and you talk about the fact that it's one thing to say, yeah, I probably should have drafted better. But you did draft some offensive linemen. But in the process of drafting for the future and also possibly for a need because you didn't go out and get a, a, a veteran center, if you were relying on Quisenberry to be your starting center, I question that, but okay, that's another reason for me to question him. But the fact that you knew the Kenyon Green situation in May, so you knew on top of everything else you're talking about, about building depth, you're probably going to need depth anyway because you know that your left guard, it wasn't an if, it was a when. It came right out of his mouth, and he, he said he knew it in May as well. So the thing that kind of really bothers me about Nick Casario is you knew the offensive line as much as you tried to bolster it in the offseason. But you knew how important it was going to be because you were going to probably get a franchise quarterback. And the fact that you knew on top of all that your left guard wasn't an if but a when he was going to be done or get hurt because of the fact that he had a pre-existing injury that we weren't aware of. And you didn't do more to, to, to take care of it. You didn't get more, whether it's more veteran swing guard, uh, guard tackles, whether it was guys that could play center in other positions. The things that you did had to move and groove and do right at, before the, at, right at the cut line before the regular season started, were things you should have been doing all offseason, and you should have been doing more to prepare for what you knew was inevitable, even if we didn't know it at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too. Like, the, the depth of this team is is concerning. Like, I, I like the defense a lot. I'm bullish on the defense a lot. But you go from Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, you had Ridgeway who could ro- rotate in there, who was, I mean, had a good week until he got hurt. Like, it's another NFL player. Now you're looking at Kurt Heinisch. And look, hey, Kurt Heinisch, decent, I guess. A really good preseason player. Yeah. I mean, he was he was with the team last year, too. Like, he's not, he's a below average NFL player. So the, the depth, if you start looking at the backups, you start looking at the two deeps, you start looking at the other guys outside of the starters of this team, it lacks some serious depth. And Casario had some things at the beginning that that hurt him. You know, didn't have a full slate of draft picks in year one, didn't have a first, didn't have a second. He was in cap hell, so he couldn't really bring in free agents like he wanted to. But whenever you're in that spot and you know that you're going to need to fill out the best 53-man roster that you can. See, I think the best teams are in the NFL. Like, yeah, you need good quarterback play. You need some firepower offensively. You need a defense that can get off the field. I think offense is more important than defense uh, nowadays. But you have to have the ability to, like, sustain injury. And that's and the Texans are, like, very much still in a re- rebuilding process. They are not 
at the state that they need to be, that where they can sustain a lot of injuries and hold their head above water. And I think Nick Casario is to blame for that because he is a willing, dealing son of a gun. How many times has he traded up in the NFL draft? And he's taking away from his strength when he does that. I don't think he realizes that. Like His strength is finding some good players on a 53-man roster late in the draft. Jarrett Patterson was pretty good at center as a six-round rookie. Roy Lopez played a lot of snaps before he was cut this year. You look at, I mean, Damian Pierce again was a fourth-rounder. Henry Toa like they're saying Nick Casario got the steal of the draft in the fifth round. Nick Casario has been taken away from his strengths of being able to find pretty good talent rounds five through seven by just burning them on, in, on, on fire. But you're right. And this is more to my belief that Nick Casario, to me, is is on a hotter. He should be on a hotter seat than ever before because of the fact that you knew everything that you said. You knew that you could have made trades. You 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 brought it up yourself. If you knew you were going to cut King, and you knew you that that Pittsburgh was going to could possibly want to pick him up, and you had to have more offensive line depth, and you couldn't have at least picked up the phone, or had the conversation when you let everybody know, hey, this is what we're probably going to be doing, to try and maneuver a deal there too so you could build more depth for a position that you were in desperate need of, then you're you're not doing your job. And yeah. You're not doing it properly. There's no way they could have known that Pittsburgh wanted them, but, but it's, you hey, it do you yeah. like anybody on our roster? Hey, we're about to cut Desmond King. Do you think we could give you Desmond King instead of a six-round draft pick? Cool. Like, they probably would have done that because I think that they rather have had Desmond King than a six-rounder because they picked up Desmond King. It guarantees you get him Desmond King. Now, it worked out in the long run for Pittsburgh because they get a six-rounder and they got Desmond King. And, like, that move actually looks okay right now. Tevier Thomas looked better than Desmond King. Tevier Thomas had a really good week one. Like, D'Amico Ryans probably had a say in that, too. I, I certainly hope, and I feel confident saying this, that Casario's like, hey, these are these are one of two guys that we're going we're gonna to keep one or two of them. Uh, one of the two, rather. We're going to cut the other one. Which nickel corner do you want? And I bet you D'Amico said Thomas, and they went with D'Amico's decision. As That's how good general managers, good head coaches work, and I believe that is happening. But if you're going to get rid of a guy, you you at least take the sample around the league of their value, and hey, can we, can we maybe trade a player we're going to cut for a player you're going to cut? Because Steelers weren't going to keep Kendrick Green. No, and, and, and again, I'm so hyper-focused on it because you know that you're going to have to protect a kid that is part of your long-term, your long-term directional goals. Where you want to be as a franchise is going to be directly correlated to how your franchise quarterback plays that you're going to bring into this organization. So whether you built up the receiver room or not, the single most important situation for, and we know this because of David Carr, amongst other, all the other examples, is the fact that you had to make sure this kid was isolated and protected by a good offensive line. It's why you went out and made some of the moves you made this offseason, either locking up Tunsil or or getting Shaq or or doing some of the things that you did. I thought you could have done more. And and I really believe that in the depth that you're talking about, aside from doing it from the draft, that especially when you admittedly, no one put your hands to the fire. No one said you had to tell us. But when you said you knew what was going on with Kenyon Green in May, and you know how hyper-important it is to protect whichever quarterback you were going to take, that you didn't build the depth then too, doing some of the things that you can do if you know talent and you know whether it's a big trade or a small trade, you can get guys that can actually be serviceable. Why weren't you doing more of that before Kenyon Green was finally put on IL or the fact that you knew that you know you, the injuries happen in the NFL 
that you were going to possibly need one anyway or two anyway, but now you need more and you didn't do anything. 713-780-3776. Coming up next with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN uh, 92.5. Guess what people around the league are doing? They're comparing C.J. Stroud to other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Where does he stack up? amongst those starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Before we go to break, though, Houston fans, we've been waiting a long time for this Big 12 football. Houston Cougars clashing with last year's national championship runner-up, the TCU Horn Frogs. It's time to fill up TDECU Stadium. Buy a Cougar Paw package includes three games. You can select TCU as one of those games. Package is only $66, does not include the Texas game. Get your tickets today, uhcougars.com slash tickets, or call 713-GO-COUGS. We're giving away a pair of tickets right now to caller number 12 at 713-780-3776. We'll be giving away a pair sometime at the 5 o'clock hour as well. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.